Hello and welcome to Comic Book Herald's Creanitators. I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. For today's interview, I'm excited to be joined by the comics creator Caleb Golner, co-writer of Ghost Cage, creator behind Rest Area 51, and Apollo Kids. We're going to be talking a lot about Ghost Cage today, one of my favorite books of 2022, which Caleb is doing with Nick Trigrota, who is well-known for, of course, East of West, one of my fave image comic series of the 2010s. Caleb, thanks so much for joining. Appreciate having you here today. Um, I know it is the the day after uh, San Diego Comic-Con, which you were at. How, how was the event, and, and how, how was it, you know, hearing from fans about Ghost Cage? Well, first off, thank you for having me and my totally destroyed voice on the show. Um, I feel my throat feels fine though, so I didn't. Uh, everybody had a mask on at the show. It was a weird show, but yeah. not, I mean, I'm cool. I'm happy about the mask. Don't get me wrong. They had uh, they had pretty strict uh, kind of COVID um, kind of mandates. So you had to have like a band on your wrist the whole show. Um, you had to either test negative or have all your vaccination uh, records with you to get that band. And um, everybody was masked inside. So uh, it was a, it was an interesting show. The energy was definitely a little, it was the same from the people who were there, right? People are happy to like be able to go to things. Um, but I would say that could be like attendance. I've been going to the show um, starting off when I was like a journalist and, and doing kind of like what you're doing, interviewing creators and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, since about 2008 and, uh, <clears throat> I think this was my 11th con San Diego. Yeah. So, uh, you definitely, I witnessed like from Iron Man, the first Iron Man movie to, you know, the last show before, uh, the pandemic. And I was probably like 25, 30% like what it used to be, maybe more. I'll have to wait and see. Um, but as far as like what I wanted to do, uh, I you know, the the cons always going to have these choke points at like the Funko booth <laughs> and stuff like that, and like you know like the Marvel stage where they do all that stuff and you know a lot of the brand activations. Um, but I was really just there to do signings. Uh, we did signings. I did signings with Nick um, at his art dealer booth, um, Felix, and uh, we did image signings like at the image booth. And those are great. Uh, people were there. People were happy to be there. Um, people showed up with Ghost Cage, which is really cool and encouraging. Uh, we got some cool feedback. Uh, the timing was kind of different for us because the Ghost Cage trade comes out on Wednesday. So it wasn't out. Like advanced copies weren't out or anything. I think uh, Nick and I and the rest of the creative team had our comps. So like he brought a few just to like show people and <laughs> be like, this is out on Wednesday. Yeah. Um, but you know, a lot of the booths, they don't do single issues, most of them, uh, cause of inventory and stuff like that. So, um, it was awesome. People are really excited, uh, really encouraging, um, had some great feedback from me and Nick. Um, and, uh, it was, it was really just nice to see a ton of people I hadn't seen in person in like three or four years. Um, so, but yeah, it was, it was a different con a lot of the booths that you were used to seeing from like comics proper weren't there. So like DC didn't have a booth. Um, some of the media companies, I, I'm not sure. Like I wasn't paying too much attention on the floor to the stuff that wasn't like comic stuff and what I was yeah. doing. Um, but yeah, it was like some of the booths were a little bit reduced in like their obnoxiousness, you know, like Warner brothers, I don't think had a booth. They used to have like this three story 
like complex to the ceiling yeah. full of like uh, movie stars and stuff. But um, it was a good con. Yeah, it was, it was fun. And I hope everybody gets home and uh, uh, feels good and healthy and everything. Right, right. Always the challenge. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to do a day of a C2E2 this year. I'm in the Chicago area, so that's how it shakes out. So that's when I try to make it to. Um, and yeah, I wasn't sure what the what the vibe will be like. Obviously, you know, some folks are concerned about uh, the pandemic growing and perpetually just kind of on edge about, okay, what does that actually mean and all that stuff. But no, I'm glad you got to go and, and have a decent time and, and hopefully, yeah, knock on wood, uh, keep feeling good about it. What, uh, you, <laughs> yeah. you said you got some, better uh, than my, uh, I feel better than my voice sounds. Right that's now. good. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, feel, I feel good. Did you was, get any uh, particularly scared. memorable commentary from from fans about Ghost Cage, like stuff you weren't expecting? It's been really nice. I mean, you know, people are in a hurry at San Diego. Uh, people are like, you know, kind of bopping from thing to thing. Um, it's not like some of the smaller scale shows where you really have like a long conversation. Um, so fortunately, like it was all just positive. Like this book is cool and I liked it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, right. Like, oh, sweet. Thank you. Um, and a lot of folks, of course, like Nick's got a big following of his own from like his career. You know, he's done lots of stuff for the big two. Um, and then of course, East of West is like, that's a big book. That's like several huge volumes long. It's like, it's a series with like three deluxe hardcovers, you know? Yeah. So yeah. he's had years to like really cultivate like a big, uh, a fan base of his own. So, um, there were times, you know, a lot of people came to see Nick It's like, love the art on this. And he's like, this is Caleb. He made it with me. <laughs> so I got to, I got to sneak in, um, and, uh, say hi to some people. And then, you know, I, I saw some. I got a few stands. Every comic book, you know, creator who's uh, been tabling, even if you know they haven't done huge books or anything. I had people who had like bought my self-published stuff years ago at cons like Emerald City or C2E2, sure. um, which I've tabled at several times. And you know, you get those people turning out and saying hi, and that's always it's really encouraging. So it was a good time. Cool, cool. So how so on Ghost Case here? Yeah, you're co-writing with 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 Nick. Like you said, he has a big following. He's been doing it for a while. Um, some folks might not know as much about you. I mean, you, you're kind of doing it all too. Like some of your projects, you know, like the thing you're doing with David Brothers, Apollo Kids. That's you know, you're doing the art on that and co-collaborating with him. Uh, Rest Area Fifty One. You're writing. Um, how did you get connected with with Dragota on this project? And kind of what was the genesis of Ghost Cage? Well, um, most like image books. Well, I shouldn't say most because. Anyway, I'll just tell you what we did. <laughs> I'm not going to preface it with any like loaded assumptions. Um, Nick and I just like we're friends. Uh, we knew each other. I made, a, I mean, like I've been making comics, drawing my own at first, and then like making indie books and self-publishing. Uh, I started doing that when I was stopping being a comic book journalist. There's a little bit of overlap. Like I was working on some stuff before I like quit and moved on to another job um in social media uh but yeah you just you know people even when you're just covering comics you meet people you talk you complain about star wars movies together or whatever and you like hit it off um and so i was living in uh, oakland i was working in the bay area uh for a big streaming service and um nick was just like hey man let's let's hang out like let's have like a beer in my backyard or whatever 
he was living in Alameda. Um, so just like a couple miles away, but you know, the city miles become somehow 10 times longer than like, you know, a flat mile. Um, so yeah, I just, we started hanging out maybe a couple, like a couple times a month, once a week. And we just, we like all the same anime. Uh, we like all the same manga. Um, we like a lot of, like all the same comics. You just, um, and so when you're, you know, it's like when you're a musician or doing anything creative or just making friends. Um, and we just started talking about, he w was wrapping up East of West. Um, he had another comic that he thought about doing called Tramp, which I believe he still wants to work on at some point, um, that he teased in the final issue of East of West. <laughs> and so, um, but yeah, like I, I showed him a couple ideas for things that I wanted to do. Um, and he kind of just like said, this one I think is really cool. Like, let's talk about this. And over time we just kind of developed it. Um, since we were in the Bay, we were doing a lot of complaining about like how insane rent was and like how tech had like ruined the Bay while I was working in tech, of course. So it's like, <laughs> um, and I, when I, by the time I got to the Bay, it was already ruined. Uh, that's, you know, um, so yeah, it was kind of like, you know, you, you form stuff like what kind of comic do you want to do as far as genre? I want to do sci-fi. I want to do action. I want to do like a fight comic. And then it's like, well, what's this comic really about, man? Uh, and Nick's a really good artist, like not just, you know, putting lines on paper, but like he thinks like a storyteller and like an artist, like, uh, really passionately. So we just kept batting it back and forth could might have been like a year uh before he ever drew anything and um then he did like a few pages and he got excited about it and uh i was like oh nick dragata wants to do a comic book with me uh i need to keep him excited about this mm -hmm. <laughs> so um yeah he had a he has like a really good relationship with image of course uh from east of west and, and other things and so um when it came time to like pitch it uh, we talked to some people and um, image seemed like the right place for it. And so before I knew it, uh, there was a comic in stores. <laughs> so yeah. uh, it was really fun working with him. Um, Co-writing with Nick was really fun. Uh, Nick like kind of wanted to work Marvel style E-ish. Um, he had done that with Hickman on East of West. Uh, so, you know, he just... Nick like really gets a vibe and he really wants to like draw what he wants to draw, like what he really believes in, um, what he really thinks works on the page and just like hits super hard. Um, I was used to working full script up to that point, like everything else I'd done on my licensed comics, Ninja Turtles, uh, did like a Power Rangers story. I did a bunch of Sonic and Hedgehog stuff. Um, I did Rest Area 51. I did a bunch of indie comics, Task Force Rad Squad. Um, that was all just me writing scripts, being a writer. And so this was like, you know, I did, I did write some full scripts and then, uh, then we started working like for more plots and just kind of like bullet points and beats. And then we'd go through, I'd do like a dialogue pass. Nick would give his feedback and input. And then, uh, David brothers who I, uh, did Apollo kids with, he was our editor. And so he was like, really like a tastemaker. If Nick and I were like this or this, David, you know, he would kind of steer us in one direction or another. So. Um, super collaborative, really fun. Uh, I don't know if I'll ever like get to work on another comic the same way because it just varies so much from creator to creator. 
So uh, I'm really proud of it. And um, mostly I was just like, if Nick thinks this is cool and has a good time working on this, I've done my job. Um, so <laughs> now the trade's coming out. So uh, I was, uh, I feel good about it. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I think a lot of times that passion comes through in the work and I think is a big part of what is connected with with folks reading it is just like, yeah, it just feels like a, a giant, fun manga or anime, like you said, where it's just like, yeah, it's just a big fight comic, you know, in a way, but it, you know, because we have this, for those who don't know, and I highly recommend reading it again, it's a favorite this year. Um, basically, we have a fight up a big bad corporate tower. Um, there's, you know, video game-esque bosses at every level. They all represent a type of energy, right? So we have here um, coal, wind, hydro, solar, nuclear, and our new character, who's kind of Astro Boy, Mega Man-esque, uh, is called Sam. He's working with this employee, Doyle, who goes through the experience of being the, the loyal employee to sort of seeing the truth of things, right, in this, this big, bad corporation. And all of that is to say, like, it's just one of the most deliciously fun, beautiful action comics, you know, that I've read in some time. Um, I think it probably hear about this from everyone, but like there's clear manga influences oh, yeah. um, in this book, which is, I think, a semi-difficult thing to incorporate in the image landscape, right? Like image is not known for that. Like they have their corners. Um, there's I, I definitely felt a lot of Akira and Astro Boy. Uh, what what were some of the influences that you and Nick connected on? And like, what did you want to what did you want to mirror and kind of bring to it? Um, well, I mean, like one of the we talked about so much stuff that like it just depended on the day. Right. It's kind of like, what are you reading right now? Have you read this also? And so <laughs> it's like um, so like uh, Sumo Nihei. Um, I'm not pronouncing that correctly at all, mostly because my voice is gone and I can't enunciate. Um, but he did a bunch of manga like Blame or Blam, as it's pronounced. Um, and um, we just love his work because it's very like, I don't know, atmospheric, big. Um, since we knew that we were doing this comic like in a tower, like, you know, a bunch of his stuff takes place in just like this giant infinite architectural nightmare. So like that kind of showed through, like how big is this tower? And it's like as big as the, you want it to be, you know, <laughs> like as big yeah. as your imagination. Um, I have to Google things while I'm talking. Uh, Nioki Urasawa, uh, who did like Pluto, who did 20th Century Boys. Um, Nick's like, I know, I'm going to speak for Nick, of course. Nick's a big fan of his, uh, like his beats and how he just like sucks you in um, emotionally. Uh, the way he does like um, different framing and like sort of different, uh, not not exactly just the panel layouts or anything, but the way he does like just raw composition and figures and like the uh, the techniques he uses to like break up space even on double page spreads or, um, and I'm just I'm gonna look at my shelf. I mean, like for me, it's Akira Toriyama is always like on my mind, never goes away. Uh, Dragon Ball. Um, this question, like, I think about manga all day long, and then somebody asks me. Um, no, that's fine. I mean, that that's a good, yeah, that's a good list. Inui from like Slam Dunk, that kind of oh, stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm super new to manga myself. I've only started like I've read a gazillion you know 
uh, traditional American superhero comics, but only in the past year and a half I've actually picked things up. And I have, I read Pluto, which blew me away. Oh, yeah. And I've been reading Slam Dunk, which is an absolute delight. I, I'm a big it's, basketball fan, and just the style and the charm of it is just one of my favorite things. Especially like that comic in 20 years, that'll be like my boomer comic. Because it's it's <laughs> yeah. like it's I mean it's about like it's like loving early nineties, mid nineties basketball, like through a like sort of like this Japanese lens. But it still hits like uh at one point the main character in that story gets his first pair of Jordans. Yeah. And it's like it's like a knight getting their sword to go on a quest. It's like this magical transformative moment. And like yeah. I remember when I got my first pair of Jordans. I didn't even play basketball, but I was like a kid and I was like, I, I am a I'm a human now. I'm like a member of the, you know, society because yeah. I have yeah. my first pair of Jordans. Um, so yeah, I mean like, but I, I love everything. I mean, um, I'm, I'm pausing now cause I'm like searching. I want to make sure I name check enough manga creators that I seem totally legit, but like Rumiko Takahashi, uh, from Ranma and like a million other comics. I love mermaid saga. Uh, I really just love like manga. I grew up reading superhero comics, of course, comic strips, like everybody, um, you know, it's just kind of like a North American kind of vibe. And, you know, Dark Horse was doing manga around that time. And you started to like see corners of it in comic shops. And I remember I saw like a Goku action figure, I think it was 1996 in like this college town by where I lived. I didn't know what it was. I didn't even necessarily know it was from Japan. I just like, it was perfect. This mm -hmm. looks like how I want things to look. And um, I like got on the internet and I like discovered Neo Genesis Evangelion. And I mean, this is like when you had Napster and LimeWire and I had like a dial-up connection and I would like let stuff run all night so I could watch like a 15 second clip of like some anime <laughs> that I'd never heard of. 15 I was, hours like, later, you got oh, it. Oh yeah. yeah, it was, it was awful. But you know, like I was just, that into it um and it changed how i saw everything later on i worked at a library um from the time i was 15 to about 24 uh, <laughs> i had a bunch of jobs and the recession hit in 2008 the like fall after i got out of college um, or the winter after i got out of college too and so i read the library was really nice um i had access to anything and so i read every kind of comic just non-stop i was just like devouring everything indie comics euro comics bio comics like educational comics um but along the way like the thing that just like codified how i think about comics was was definitely more like on the manga side and i i don't know it just like it looked it looked how like I don't know. It's like what kind of genres of music you like. Sometimes it has something to do with your like development, what you listen to as a kid, what your parents listen to, what your friends listen to, what was on the radio, you know, what was on MTV, whatever it was. But at the same time, like you just like feel that spark. Like when you just like instantly fall in love with something and you can't necessarily explain why until you go to therapy years later, you know, <laughs> like yeah. maybe you can trace it, but it's just like, Oh, this is, or like you try a bite of food and you're like, well, I guess I like Brussels sprouts. I guess that's my new favorite food, whatever it is. Um, so it's really been nice. Like with you meet friends um, who, of course, you know, I, I still love North American Western comics. I read everything, 
but yeah, like manga is, it's just like your vibe. It's just like the thing that, that gets you, uh, gets you going and like inspires you more than anything else. Um, even if you're looking at everything else and appreciating everything else. So I just rambled for like seven minutes, but <laughs> I like manga, man. It's all good. Yeah, like. it's all good. No, and it shows like it's, it's, and I think that's the, the thing about the energy of ghost cage is like that passion of like, Hey, we're going to do that. But in our own vision of things is pretty cool. Was that, was that a part of the black and white decision in terms of running this? Um, without color or was that more on the art side of things yeah i mean i would have done whatever nick wanted like whatever he felt like the most excited about and the most complete about and of course uh frank martin jr he did all the colors for our covers and like they look amazing so in a way it's sort of like you know if you love manga you still love to see it colored you know like you watch anime or like you see the cover or you see like the color uh, pages from a magazine or the interstitial like images um so it's like when you're reading in black and white it's not like you see the story in black and white like you're mentally making it colorful in a way like subconsciously um but there's something about the impact of like i don't know like better artists than i uh could talk about you know the the mental difference of how you experience it but it's almost like color can add something if you don't do it perfectly, it can also take something away. And when you just have like the pure black and white lines and of course gradients and stuff, there's something just like so clean about it. It's sort of like, uh, you know, you can eat a pizza and like, if it's good enough pizza, you don't want to put like any sauce on it. You're not like, if you got Domino's, you might dip it in ranch or put honey on the crust or whatever. But like, if you've got like a good, like, or like a steak or like whatever you want to eat, it's like, this is good. It's just got salt on it. It's just like good by itself or like an apple. Um, there's something about that with black and white. And I think, you know, Nick is so good at applying those tones and doing like gradients and like uh, really focusing on like the spot blacks and there's like the raw design of the page. Um, I think it just hits your brain, you know, just like, like a perfect target, you know, it just dances across your mind um and it's effortless to read it and to look at it like you don't even need to read the dialogue and you can understand like you look at a double page spread and you're just like whoa um so yeah i mean like i think he was excited for the challenge of just doing that and really executing that at, like the highest level he could and i mean like i think he did an amazing job uh the comparisons to stuff like akira I think anybody who draws anything, like if you get your artwork compared to um, a Tomo, that's like the best compliment you get. <laughs> You're doing all right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, or one of them, you know, so uh, yeah, like we just thought it'd be cool. And then when you, when you saw it on the first couple pages that he did the first scene, um, it just felt like, like the total way to go. So, uh, you know, I think the book would have been awesome with color too, but there's something special about it. And it, it is kind of our way of just saying like, acknowledging like where so much of the influence comes from without cribbing stuff too much. Cause there's a lot of great black and white comics. Uh, I used to read those Marvel essentials, like yeah. that they were doing in like the early two thousands. And I love those. I mean like, you know, I like the color and I like the old timey, like, 
printing effects and like how like all the dots and everything but it was just really nice to just read like the first 10 years of like the biggest marvel books that like kirby and ditko and people like that were doing and it was just like oh man i can see everything i'm not distracted by some of the things that used to make this look old to me i'm doing air quotes for everybody who's just listened to the audio mm. um you could just see pure kirby or whatever and it's like you know you get these artist edition books and stuff or like turtles was black and white you know yeah. <laughs> like they used to be layered books and they had tons of screen tone and crazy stuff so um yeah it's manga but it's also just that like kind of pure comics kind of thing that that comes through and just like lights up your uh prefrontal cortex or wherever the pleasure sensors are i can't remember my yeah. brain zones right now <laughs> all i remember is amygdala fear rage that's that's ingrained with me hey, yeah, school, but it's it's not that one i'm not i'm not fearful or uh furious about this book <laughs> it rules um Thank no the black and white telly works yeah and uh i got i got in to marvel through those essentials as well in a lot of ways and um, it was one of those things where it was like, I knew they were in color, but I also didn't care. <laughs> like it didn't, yeah, it didn't yeah. matter at the time reading them. You know, I was just like, I am here for these stories, and it's a, it's, it's a delight. And now I pure, don't read them because that, you know. But pure story. I mean, it, it's just kind of like yeah. a pure story thing. And you know, the course of colors do a ton for these books. Like every other book I've done is colored, and they're wonderful. But mm-hmm. you know, there's something, there's something there. You know, and I think even colorists agree <laughs> it's like yeah you know it's rad well and i have to imagine this would be a very challenging book to color because of how much texture and and work is going into i don't know the detail and the line work in there i i imagine the pros know would know how to do it but it is hard to i could see a future version right where somebody applied their colors to it and there could be some really cool stuff um but at the same time, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it, it, this version, I think you guys made the right call. Like, it doesn't it doesn't need it, per se. It's like remixing, you know? Everybody, sure. like, releases a song now, and they release a single, and then there's, like, 15 remixes. And mm-hmm. you're like, well, I like, like, two remixes, but I think the original is, like, the one that, you know, that hits you, like, straight in the, straight in the gut the first time that you remember. So, I don't know. Tons of metaphors on this podcast today. <laughs> just throwing out metaphors yeah no worries well it, no it's all good uh, it, how early in the process did you decide on um the three oversized issues versus kind of your traditional you know six 22 pagers in a, a trade and that sort of thing i think um again I'm, I'm gonna speak for nick but i think he was just like he wanted to just feel like he had just gotten off doing a really long book tons of issues years of his life and I think he wanted to do something. Uh, he didn't want to like rush it, but he wanted to just like do it at a good clip and just kind of like make a complete story. And this felt like, I think the right way to do that. Um, especially with the way we did some of the beats, I think they still, the individual issues still read like a single issue because they all kind of have like a bookend at the end. Um, I think my favorite way to, I think people will really like reading it as a trade though too. Um, but I don't know if it would have felt the same if we would have done like 18 pagers or 22 pagers. Um, I don't know if we could have, especially that first issue. It's such a, it's such a first act of like a movie or something 
you know? And so like, I think we just wanted to tell it in three acts, but we knew like three normal size, standard size issues um, wouldn't fit. Uh, but also, you know, like we finished this book and we we're like, that could have been 12 issues. You know? <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. But um, to, to get like, just accomplish the vibe and to capture the energy. Um, I think three oversized issues was probably like the best we could have done. Um, it felt right every time we would end an issue. Um, and I think uh, now the trade really feels like it's got three clear like acts or movements. So um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know when we decided it. I feel like we kind of decided everything when we knew the book was going to happen for sure. We were like, oh, we have a deadline. <laughs> Make some decisions, you know. Uh, but we had talked about everything enough that uh, Nick, you know, I Nick just like, I was like, well, you've got to do all this stuff, man. Like you got to do all the heavy lifting. You got to draw it all. So just like, tell me what feels good. And, and like, um, that's what we did. Yeah. Did you feel intimidated at all? You know, you talked about how, you know, some of these sequences, like the art is the showcase. Obviously, Nick Rigorda has a big fan base. Um, you're saying like, you don't even necessarily need the dialogue. Like, did you feel intimidated in terms of like i have to make this measure up to these pages that are coming in i mean that's what you always want to do um i've got since i draw like or i have drawn and i still try to draw like my own books um that's given me a lot of like artist empathy uh <laughs> I, i'll say i haven't been impressed with every single comic book writer i've ever met in my life in my careers um relationship to art and artists um i feel, feel like a lot of there are some comic book writers out there who i think are more like businessmen they're basically karloff and ghost cage and like i hate that shit. can i cuss on here yeah you're fine casually okay you can bleep me if this is going out i i just hate that shit. i hate thinking like that um Obviously, I like want my books to like get a fan base and hit as many people as possible, and like little money'd be nice in this economy. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, so I don't know. I just like I want everything. You know, Nick wanted to work sort of Marvel style, and he wanted to have like really steer it. And of course, he's co-writing, so he's he's going to have input on like every piece of dialogue. Uh, every plot point and the order of the story and everything. So I wasn't really intimidated. Like I've done enough work in my career that I've been like, you know, the first couple comics I made, you know, I'd finish a script and I'd sort of like send it off and like you get pages back when it's done and you read it and you, I don't remember anything I write like at all after I send it away. Like I have to read it again to be like, Oh yeah, I wrote this. That's wild. You know, <laughs> like, cause I'm, I'm busy and I got a day job and I, I'm not, uh, I remember Akira Toriyama, he did an interview, uh, with Jackie Chan. They like interviewed each other. This is back in like the eighties and Jackie Chan asked him, he was like, how do you come up with your stories? And, or, or a question to that effect. And, uh, Akira Toriyama just like leans back and he was probably smoking a cigarette or something. And he was like, I just try not to overthink it. Right. I try not to think too hard about it. And so like, I don't know, I've, I've gotten to work with so many amazing artists and get to know so many amazing artists and learn from so many amazing artists that uh, I have a lot of ideas just like all the time. 
And when you're collaborating, you just need to be flexible and respectful and be able to take some feedback. Um, and that's my day job too. And like marketing, copywriting, all that kind of stuff, journalism. So yeah, like somebody tells you like something sucks. It's like, cool. How about this? Here's some options, you know, and you just keep doing that over and over. And, uh, if you're intimidated or you're worried about it too much, um, you just won't be able to, it'll just totally destroy your confidence. You won't want to do it, you know? And, uh, so I don't know, like, I just try to just stay motivated and I'm like, I wouldn't be having this conversation with like this artist if they didn't think I could like help them do this. So, uh, I mean, there's people I would be really intimidated of working with for sure. Um, but not cause I think I suck as a writer, but because they're grumpy and it's like, <laughs> how, yeah, yeah. but it would be like Frank Miller or somebody would be like, I don't know, man, I don't know what he's going to think of my like stupid, like, you know, like <laughs> comic with like talking animals or whatever it is, you know? Yeah. So, um, but I had a good relationship with Nick to begin with. And like, you know, the conversation started slow. So, uh, by the time we, we, he started doing the art for it. Uh, I just felt good and motivated and like excited, but yeah, it can be, it can be intimidating for sure to, um, find out you're working with certain collaborators, especially like editors too, you know, like, cause people have reputations and stuff, but I've been really lucky throughout my, uh, comics career so far everybody i've worked with has been like cool and they've been like down you know and um they know where i'm coming from because not every artist is like or every writer is like as collaborative as others uh, and that can go for the whole creative team so i just try to be cool and you know just communicate and be open and uh pick people i know who can like work that way also um, I've just been incredibly fortunate. So, uh, Nick was, Nick did feel like sort of like a next step though. Cause you know, he's, in my opinion, he's like a superstar artist, you know, like people love his stuff. Like he does commissions all the time cause people just love his lines. And so like, it was like, oh damn, like this book is for real. Like this is my first image book and stuff. So there were some of those vibes, uh, but they were all good, you know, and all exciting. So. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, so how, how with the different, um, as you kind of go through the fight scene and the fight sequences, we have our different battles with the different forms of energy consumption. Um, and there's there's clear commentary, uh, kind of social commentary, and, and really two things, um, well, more than two, but the two big ones are kind of how much we're giving ourselves to corporations and kind of losing ourselves in that shuffle, um, which I think is, is more and more relatable daily through the pandemic it seems like a lot like oh, yeah. a lot a lot of people are definitely coming to a similar realization and then also just the the social commentary on of course climate change and different types of energy and kind of how those things are exploited um i guess let me let me ask it this way i'll just ask it directly like what's the thinking behind mortiplasm and this this oh. fictional thing you create and turning <laughs> our own behaviors into energy right what's what's kind of the what do you want to get across there I don't know. I mean, like, I'm, I'm so, I think about like sci-fi the way like it is portrayed in like a JRPG. Everything is extremely like codified and there, everything has a name and like it's a big branching system. 
I don't really like try, I try not to overthink world building. Like some people do that. And then they try to put it like, they're like, well, what's the story though? You got characters, you got a world. I usually have the story too, but it's like linear. And I'm like, oh, why, why is this character doing this? And uh, sometimes instead of going, oh, because they love their family or whatever it is, I'm like, because of this secret chemical that was engineered a hundred years ago and it was discovered in a relic. And I'm like, I'm doing, I'm doing this total like tinfoil hat stuff in my own universe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Nick and I actually batted mortoplasm around. Um, there were several iterations of the story where like uh, mortoplasm was like, could have almost been the star of the book, but it's fake. Yeah. It's like the ooze and ghostbusters. Like, I think yeah. I was just programmed by like Ghostbusters, Ninja Turtles. There's always a magic ooze or something or, or like, so I was like, well, I wanted to be able to explain Sam like changing sizes and like why he had to eat the other ghosts and like, stuff like that. Um, and if they were actual ghosts or if we're just calling them ghosts and like, I go pretty down, like I like paranormal nonsense. Um, at least like in theory, uh, I like reading about like how people think about it and stuff. And so I, I just like, I had to have something in there like for me. Um, so yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. It was probably just me like thinking about the ooze from turtles or, you know, the canister of chemicals that blinded daredevil or, you know, all that kind of stuff. I, I wanted just like a functioning, like silly high concept sci-fi paranormal like thing in there um so yeah i just like forced it into the story uh i think i think we found like an elegant solution nick one of the things nick does best is he's like dude you can shoehorn this in and like a lot of manga does shoehorn stuff in in anime sure and like that's kind of what i like about it it's like nonsense and characters are very self-aware about it sometimes depending on like uh, the genre and the book and um, I love stuff like that. It's just like, it's complicated for the sake of being complicated and it's a bit of a joke, but like, it's still in the mix. Um, Nick, one thing he always like made sure we did was like, it has to be natural, man. It has to be like good and elegant and real. And like, <laughs> so uh, Nick was really instrumental in like reigning my stack of crazy nonsense that I just like love. Um, and, and making it cohesive and like a real heartfelt part of the story. Uh, he always concentrates on characters and what everything means in the wider story. And um, so, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the many reasons it was awesome, like co-writing it with him. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a really good balance. Okay. Yeah. It's funny how often like things can seem like they have bigger meaning, but then a lot of the times in comics, the answer can also just be, because it's fun and cool <laughs> that can that's, be okay honestly like that's my i mean by the time i finish a story i think i've proved that something is like a good symbol because you know stories are full of symbols and uh, that's what makes them last even though like the world changes and we have different technology and like we dress differently and like languages change uh, but those symbols are like what endures and so yeah like to turn humans like life force or energy i didn't want to go too far down like a specific like uh i like like in evangelion they talk about souls and consciousness and stuff but like they make it really weird they like make it fit in a battery in someone's back and you know like 
um, the more you can kind of like drill it down into it. And comics are visual, of course. So like to make it something visual that you can just look at, you know, it, uh, that's also just like really, it's just a cool thing you can do. Um, but yeah, no, I mean like I, I, I joked over the weekend, somebody asked me what's ghost cage about. Like I met somebody new and I was like, it's me complaining about my day job. You know, yeah, sure. <laughs> it's like, sure. it's like my anxiety comic when I read the headlines every day, like, um, Grant Morrison said something about that when he was, I think it was when he was doing multiversity or something. And somebody was like, where do you get your ideas? He's like the newspaper, you know, yeah. it's just like, what's whatever is on your mind. I feel like that's the best stuff to put in your stories. Um, cause it'll just be true. And you'll be able to be honest, even if you're doing it through different mechanisms like uh, fighting ghost things in a power plant. Um, so that's that's always kind of what I try to do. I just try to like make sure I'm excited and having fun, and I'm also paying attention to like the craft. You know, lots of writers like to talk about craft. I do too. I've read all the same books, you know, <laughs> screenwriting books and. Um, but like, I don't like to get on Twitter and talk about craft and stuff. I just like to like, be like, here's what excites me about what I'm working on in, in comics. And if you want to know more about craft, there's way better teachers than me, you know? So, uh, hopefully it comes through in the, in the book and, and people just like, can sort of like effortlessly, they're not going to be thinking like, Oh, how was this made? You know, it's going to be more like, Whoa. They're just going to feel like they just went on a roller coaster and they're going to yeah. be, be like, have a smile on their face. That's kind of how I like to do it when I can. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that works. I think it comes across here. So are, are there any, so we got three issues, three oversized issues, mm-hmm. ghost cage. The trade is days away from coming out as we talk here, um, which I think is going to be an awesome trade. I think it's going to read really, really well altogether. Uh, are there plans for more or could there be plans for more? Yeah, I mean, uh, Nick's Nick's calendar for like the next bit is busy. Um, what's been announced? He's doing like a Spider-Man issue. Uh, Zeb Wells is writing it, um, and that's going to be awesome. And then he's got some other stuff coming up that I know his fans will be really excited about. Uh, so, um, Ghost Cage, like we've got some ideas on how we could revisit it, uh, but it's complete on its own. So it's not like a super priority to do like ghost cage number two. Um, I don't know. Like it it just kind of depends on like what happens. I'm, I'm happy that it's self-contained. Like I think we both are. Uh, But like Nick and I like each other, you know, like we were talking at the con at our signings and stuff. And I was like, Hey, when you're done with this, do you want to do like 15 other books? And he's just like, Oh, (laughs) it's like, you're killing me. I got like my whole next year and a half planned. Don't don't be yeah. pitching me right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think if if like we don't do another ghost cage, like I love working with Nick. Um, it was super fun. So uh, never say never. You know, like yeah. when Netflix decides to do the ghost cage anime, that, that's a joke. Everybody, don't don't be putting that on a deadline. Um, that might be a good reason to revisit it, you know, like, or something. But, uh, for now he's got a, he's got a full schedule and he's going to be making awesome stuff. And, um, I've got some stuff in the works that I'm excited about. Uh, so it'll just be us high-fiving at cons. 
for the next bit. But sure. yeah, thank you for asking. Yeah, of course. Uh, anything you've got coming up that, that you can tell people about, or is it all TBD? Um, it's TBD, but like it's exciting and it's real. Uh, <laughs> so I've got, I've got some stuff I'm excited about. Um, it was fun chatting with some folks at San Diego about some of it. Uh, it'll probably, the stuff I'm working on, will, I'm trying to like let people know what a Caleb book, a Caleb experience will kind of be like. Um, if you like Ghost Cage, you'll definitely, I think, like the stuff that I'm working on that's in the offing. Uh, Do you want so, to lean more into kind of the the ghost cage style of story as opposed to more of the all ages uh younger reader stuff like rest area 51 apollo kids i mean it's always nice to have a balance i'm sure but like what when you think about that brand what is it you're trying to kind of define i don't know it's funny when i was i was about like 27 i think when i tabled my first show um, but I'd always drawn comics as a kid. I had like comics in my college newspaper, like stuff like that. But I never thought I was good enough to do a book by myself. And I was doing music and other things. So I just, I didn't, I didn't put in the time to sit down and get good at drawing. But there came a time when I was like, I don't care if I'm good at drawing. If I just, I felt like I was good enough at storytelling that I could make a comic that was really ugly. <laughs> it would still be like fun to read. Um, and I got a good reception doing that. My first comic looks like a kid's cartoon and it's just super violent. Uh, Mermaid Evolution, there's like decapitations. It's on uh, the Tapas app. Um, it, you can read it for free. Uh, it's technically a mature comic, but like there's no romance, you know, there's nothing like super naughty. It's just hyper violent cartoon stuff. Uh, sharks and dolphins eating people and like all kinds of weird stuff, you know, like, yeah. so um, everything I do is probably going to have that kind of action. Um, everything I do is going to have comedy. Um, I'm not like super interested in romance, like on the page, other people do it way better than me and have like strong feelings about it and stuff. So that's not like, like a huge priority for me. Um, I just want to make fun comics and, uh, there's opportunities to do that in like the middle grade and YA space right now. They're really strong. And since I'm not really like trying to deal with heavy adult themes in a lot of my work, I mean like ghost cage, you know, it's about like the existential dread of being alive, you know? <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah. Um, I do want to make books that are just about like how I see the world and how I'm, how I'm feeling and how I know other people must be uh, when I talk to them and everything. Um, so, but, you know, at the same time, like the, the storytelling I do for like middle grade or YA, um, you know, like the turtles comics and the Sonic comics and rest area, of course, is sort of like middle gradey YA. Um, you can still talk about the world and what's going on in it. Uh, you just kind of like, you just crank some knobs, right? Like what can a kid handle? Um, what is like, you know, a third grader, like, do they need to see a bunch of like dolphins exploding, you know, like with their guts going everywhere? It's like, oh, probably not. They'll probably like harsh their mellow a little bit. So, you know, you just, you just turn the dials and you still tell a great story and you still have great art. Um, you still have energy, but it's weird. I don't know. You like, I just kind of follow the opportunities and I just sure. try to be like a person who can do that. Um, and I'm happy to like put, 
I got a bunch of pitches on the back burner at any given time. So um, if an opportunity comes along to do another image book, like, yeah, it'll have, it'll have cussing and stuff in it. And like, you know, people exploding. <laughs> um, but if like, you know, an opportunity comes along for another pitch and it's about, I don't know, bears learning to cook or something like, you know, we can, uh, but yeah, it's, it's all about opportunities. The Caleb brand when I was younger, I think I wanted to do what everybody who I was watching was doing like Matt Fraction and, and Jason Aaron. And there's all these people like in my life who were doing this like cool sci-fi books that were really fucked up and like, it was really visceral. And, um, I was like, that's what I want to do. But you know, you, you get older and like, uh, time goes on and you live more life and you get opportunities and you're just like, Oh yeah, I'd like to try that. Uh, that could be cool. And, um, so far, yeah, I've, I've gotten to do stuff for kids and, um, I don't have any kids yet, but like I got a bunch of nieces and nephews and like, Oh, they can read this. This is nice that it, I don't, they can actually know what I do a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So, that's cool. That's fun. Um, yeah. It's just whatever, whatever comes my way, I'm going to try to make the most of it and, um, just like execute everywhere I can in comics and, and we'll see. Awesome. Awesome. Where, uh, where should people find you online? Where should they look for you and what's coming next? Um, I'm on Twitter. I know Twitter sucks, everybody, but it doesn't sound like Elon's going to make it any worse uh, coming up. So uh, you can find me there for now at Caleb Andrew. Um, you can find me on Instagram at what's my Instagram handle? Uh, Monde Green Ranger, like Green Ranger with uh m-o-n-d-e before that you've got links and stuff right people can click yeah links. we can link to oh, it in the show notes absolutely <laughs> <Thank> <laughs> <you>. <laughs> i'm not so good with the phonetics uh spelling things out out loud um yeah yeah those are like the two the two easiest places i'm always talking about my work and you can go to my website at calebgolner.com and it's cool. got uh my comic stuff and the other stuff i do for a living so that's where you can find me thank you for asking Good deal. Absolutely. So, Caleb, it's been a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, everybody check out Ghost Cage. Again, links in the show notes, and it's definitely going to be one of our favorites at CBH for 2022. So, Caleb, thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you so much. Have an awesome day, everyone, listening, listeners, audience. <laughs>